where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This podcast is brought to you by Udemy, a leading destination for learning and teaching online. Need to learn professional skills for your career? Join millions of people learning the latest skills in business and tech on Udemy. Udemy has helped learners around the world launch new careers, advance in their current field, and earn money on the side. Visit udemy.com and find the course for you. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is Action Jackson. Jackson, good morning. Morning, Tim. I don't have time for it. Okay. The Blues problems. Chris Kerber is going to be with us at 1015. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I got to tell you something. And I need to tell you this. I'm alarmed. You, you, you're a believer in honesty and media? Always have been. Last night, for the purpose of transparency on this radio program, I was out trick-or-treating as a headless horseman. Did you see those pictures? I didn't. They good stuff? My wife posted them. Okay, I'll take a look. I'm trying to contact Zuckerberg to get him <laughs> taken <Scrubbed>. down. Right. Saying <laughs> <laughs> it was a political post. <laughs> Trying to get it removed. And, uh, you know, whatever. My son, who's obsessed with Halloween for whatever reason, uh, once uh, five years old, I'll I'll, I'll play along with. Sure. So I'm out there having conversations with neighbors, Mm -hmm. standard conversations. Right. While dressed as a headless horseman. Right. And having zero self-awareness, which is kind of a theme from (laughs) 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. for me. Yeah. And so I'm not watching the game live because I'm on trick-or-treating responsibilities, which I'm enjoying like crazy. And then I get a, a text message from a gentleman by the name of Jeremy Rutherford. The great Jeremy Rutherford. Friend of the program. Yep. On with us every Monday with the Rutherford Report. And uh, he calls my attention to what was transpiring in reference to some of the things we discussed earlier in the day on this radio show. And it was at that moment that I then scrolled to see what was doing, and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 The only thing that really crossed my mind in advance of putting on my Headless Horseman costume was, wow, I'm about to put on a Headless Horseman costume, and then secondarily, 
I wouldn't mind putting a little money on the Blues tonight because I assume they're going to bounce back. This can't continue. This right. can't continue. But then I went out and dressed as a headless horseman, and I, I couldn't I couldn't really recall the game until I received the text from Jeremy Rutherford, and then I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm lucky I didn't put anything on it. What in the world is going on? So um, usually I do watch the games last night. Honesty and media. I did not watch the whole game. I watched the uh, the ten minute highlight package on YouTube. Chris Kerber will join us, and he did watch the whole game since he was calling it here on One Hundred and One ESPN, and he'll be with us in a few minutes. But I watched all of Craig Berube's post game press conference, and wow, uh, he didn't enjoy the festivities. My favorite, and they did show this on the uh, the clip, was the Cairo Shan O'Reilly three on O. Yeah, that 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 was like I and. Now, people know I don't know much about hockey, but even I saw, you know, maybe uh, dish the puck off to your uh, right-hand side there. Were you watching the game? No. Were you dressed as a headless horseman? No, no, no costumes. Were you out with uh, costumes? Were you out with uh, lady friends? No. I'm going to three-bet that. I wasn't. It's, it's, it's Monday fine. night. It's a Monday night. It's I fine. Was just, uh, Let me uh, move in all over. I'm, in, I'm all in. John, got your, I'm gonna have to take your chips. You're gonna have to rebuy in because I'm, I'm. I was. So what were you doing? Hanging out at home. So then how come you weren't watching the game? Watching something else. And you said this on a Kerber day in the middle of a five-game losing streak. I hope he just takes you to task. I mean, We honest, might have a three-segment show with Kerber today. Honestly, in media. Well, what if I had a, like a made-up an excuse? Like if I had a better excuse, would that you know, relinquish me? Or just because I just didn't... So, like so, so what were you watching? Oh, I had to finish up the uh, new episode of White Lotus. There was some good uh, hoops action on last night. It's, oh, I, oh. Just, I just didn't. 65780 is the number you can use to text into the program. It's the Air Comfort Service text line. I'll take, a, I'll take a gander at those. But before I go to those, let's hear from Craig Berube. We have a potpourri of comments from the post-game press conference. We're not direct. And if you're not direct and you're not predictable, and you're not hungry, and you're not desperate out there, you're not, if you don't want to dig in and play hard, you're going to get beat. I don't care what team you're playing. You'll get beat. And that's got to change. That's Craig Berube last night. Uh, what else do we have? Because there was about, it was about three and a half minutes of just intensity would be the word I would use watching it. Here is his comments about that 3-on-0 break mm. that was discussed. Was that 3-0 break where you don't get a, even get a shot off? Is that kind of... Don't even, I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah, that one. That was like, that one perfectly understated what he was saying. Um, yeah, exasperated on that one. Yeah. I, so, I, so I saw the post-game press conference before I saw the highlights. And so I was hoping they would show it. And then when they showed it, I go, oh, boy. Yeah, that and one. it's exactly what... To me, the thing that drives him up the wall, which candidly, I was that's why I was surprised when the Cairo extension came along, not because I don't think he has talent, but because I just get the sense that he drives Barubi up the wall. And maybe it's a bad read. I don't know. This goes back before this year. Is Cairo either doesn't put the pucks on the net or he doesn't shoot and then messes around with the puck. And so last night, I didn't know who was involved at the time. And then I watched it this morning and then I saw it was Cairo and I go, boy, at all, that's only going to... That, may, that might have explained the reaction. Yeah, that one was. Uh, the, the, it just is like you're three on zero, and you don't do en- like anything. Like you don't make a move, you don't pass it, you don't shoot. You just get it poke checked from you. 
I'll tell you what. I was talking with Kerry Davis and Matt Rocchio as they were coming uh, out and we were heading in. And uh, they said a lot of people. And this is what happens. This is what happens in particular in the NHL are either saying they want to see the Blues make a coaching change or they are wondering if the Blues should make a coaching change. Now, here is, once again, full transparency in media. Now, I wasn't watching White Lotus. I was, again, a headless horseman. Um, But I have watched every one of the Blues games, with the exception of last night, and watched the YouTube uh, 10-minute highlight package of the festivities at around 5.30 this morning. Um, I hate the way coaches are disposed of, in particular, in the NHL and NBA. I feel like it's quicker in the NHL and NBA than in baseball and the NFL. There certainly are exceptions to the rules and also at Auburn. Um, <laughs> but, but but I just, I don't think it's the right move in general when you have, I mean, eight days ago, the team was three and O and I just can't go on the radio, even if it's an unpopular opinion. I don't know if it's popular or if it's not, it's what I think and go, you know what? This guy led the Blues to a cup, and then it's not like they had bad years after that. I think they played the Colorado Avalanche better than anybody last year in the playoffs, potentially an injury away from really giving that team a run and advancing to the Western Conference Finals, and then all of a sudden they have a terrible week, worst week in his tenure, and go, yeah, I think they need to fire the head coach. I just can't do that. And it's not because it's not like I have any ties to the Blues whatsoever. I'm just telling you what I think. You think any organization is going to hire me? Hell no. So I'm just telling you what I think. And I, but I recognize that is that I, once I saw the score last night, I go, I know what's coming. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Jackson calls it 20 plus Hall of Fame years. And I agree with him on yeah. that. Iconic years. Thank you. Game changing years. Yeah. Influential. Shape shifting years on AM and HD2 radio. Shape shifting. Watershed career. Thank you. Uh, and I go, well, there, people are going to start calling for Baruby's head. Yeah. Even though they're, what, eight games into the season? Right. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because people will use Mike Yo's termination as a precedent, as if this is some kind of Supreme Court legislation. But if we're really going to do that, Mike Yo didn't have near the equity that Craig Baruby has. This team has problems that goes well beyond the head coach. Agreed. And so that, to me, is the issue, not a guy who's lost the room. And if we were to reverse engineer what has taken place here over the last eight days and five games, starting with the loss in Winnipeg, the loss in Winnipeg, I'm just like, okay, it's the end of a West Coast road trip. They won the first two games. It would make all the sense in the world for them to lose the game. And they were tight with the Jets up until the third period, which has kind of been a theme. But if you take yourself back to the game against Edmonton, and I was at that game, it was a hell of a game. Um, that was a game that was kind of a bad bounce, and I think it was a missed penalty. Uh, the Blues should have been on the power play when Edmonton scored a few moments later with uh, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins behind the net. So that one was right there to beat Edmonton two times in, in five days. And then uh, you had the Nashville-Montreal second and third periods and the uh, debacle last night. So really... From my standpoint, it's three games. Now, it's five losses. They're without points. You have some consistent issues going on. But I don't think you go, now we fire the coach. That's just not the way you have an organization with any semblance of credibility 
or stability. You go, oh, yeah, we're just going to fire the coach. I just don't see it that way. But, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm in the minority. I'm telling you what I think. And you are welcome to dissent. 65780 is how you can dissent. And you also can leave a mic drop. I've been told there are mic drops galore to choose from today, Jackson. Can't wait to look at them. Galore. Chris Kerber is going to join us in the next segment. I truly cannot wait to talk it over with him. Kerbs next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Welcome back to Room Party 101 ESPN. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues. Kerbs, good morning. Tim, good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I can't wait to talk it over with you. I can't wait to get your opinion. Uh, let's just go as wide as we can before we just dig down. What do you think's going on? Oh, well, uh, you know what? Honestly, I think it's just a little early season adversity. I think... Uh, it, it's a hockey team that is just trying to find its way early on. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different little things you could point at, but I think one of the things to keep in mind is uh, it, it's a veteran group, and I, and I think it's just, you know, a little calming down, a little, uh, you know, loosening of the pucker factor, if you will, a little bit, and just uh, getting, you know, getting down to some of the real basics that, that help you win hockey games. Uh, I, I think we've seen, We've seen good special teams this year. We've seen good goaltending this year. Uh, we've seen good scoring chances this year. We just haven't seen maybe a lot of goals go in. Uh, we've seen good defending this year. We saw we saw it against the Edmonton Oilers for five out of six periods. Uh, so we, we've seen the elements of everything that uh, that you need, and it's just you know it's just with the combination, some of the new faces, some of the different. Uh, some of the different aspects of it coming together and, and fitting. So it, it, I think it's just a, a time factor, if that makes sense. At least I hope it is. Sure. No, understandable. I wanted to I wanted to get your opinion on, on this, again, just trying to figure it out. And certainly fans are theorizing, and, and also fans are uh, upset about what they have seen. I think in particular uh, the last three games, more so than the loss at, at Winnipeg and, and last week at home against the Oilers, that if you look at the 2018-2019 team, uh, the Blues made six additions to their forwards. If you look at O'Reilly, Maroon, Bozak, Perron, Thomas, and and Sanford. Now, those were more uh, top-line moves, but if you recall, and of course most people certainly immediately would, it's not like that year started off magically. It ended magically. It started off uh, so badly that Mike Yo lost his job this year now granted it's on the the third and fourth lines but you have a lot of new faces so six of the 14 forwards were not regular players from most of last season so do you think the early season issues you just talked about curbs could be indicative of some lack of chemistry with guys getting familiar with playing with each other and then leading to some of these turnovers of learned led to scoring opportunities well you know what i think uh, i think there's I think there's a multitude of different things here. Okay. One, I think it's still a team. It's a team that's transitioning. Okay. You, and let's just take the forward standpoint. You're seeing Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. You, you've seen Robert Thomas lead the team in ice time, you know, for a couple of games this year. That, that didn't happen last year. 
You're seeing Robert Thomas take the majority of faceoffs over Ryan O'Reilly. So I think you're seeing the continued growth of Robert Thomas, and I think Robert's been been pretty solid this year. You're seeing Jordan Cairo up at 18, 19 minutes a game. You know that that's up from from 16 to 17, which is up from 13 to 15, right? Mm-hmm. So there's continued growth there. I think the loss of David Perron, for example, leaves a hole that needs to be filled. It's not just a hole on the ice and how he played with Ryan O'Reilly. I think it's a hole of, of, of some leadership and some vocality in the locker room as well. But on the ice, you knew that when you put David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly over the boards, you knew you pretty much had your conscience line. I love that line. Ken Hitchcock started using that when he would put back this Ocean Steen together. That, the game would start to get away from him. Maybe the, the, the team look would unravel. And he put that, what he called his conscience line together, which had Bacchus in the middle, Oshie on one side, Steen on the other. And he knew that they were just going to play straight line hockey, go in, bang, and, and, and it would right the ship a lot of times. I don't know that the Blues have that combination figured out just yet. Who is that? And it's because you've got guys that want to play with skill, guys that want to play with speed. You know, and, and there might be no more microcosm to some of the hiccups of the last three games than a three on the goalie and not really even getting a shot on goal off. Yeah. You know, like, like happened last night. Craig so, Berube was uh, exasperated when asked about that one after the game. Yeah, that one's that one would be an interesting one to, to regroup and, you know, hear from Jordan Cairo and stuff. So I, I think, you know, at least what he, look, you know, it's easy for us to say some stuff from watching in the broadcast booth or from whatever. You know, you want to hear what the players saw, and that's where you get educated on on just what happened and maybe why. Uh, you know, and at the same time, maybe it's him thinking, "Hey, I just I wanted to score and help my team," and and you can understand that from a guy that has got the skill he has. So you, you put all that together, Tim, and I just think that it's it's still figuring out kind of the identity of of how you want to play as a team and who you want to play. And the coach can put the game plan in place. And I'm telling you, I, I still believe, like, we talk to the coaches before every single game. And when they tell us kind of what he thinks needs to happen or whatever, it, it they know exactly what they're talking about. It's just the, the players have to buy in. And right now, there's not enough buy-in to that, to that level. And I think that this coaching staff will get a hold of it. It's a really good staff. I think, I think the veteran players will get a hold of it. And it's a little early season adversity. It, 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 I am far from panic state if that helps anybody out at this point in time. Yeah, you certainly uh, you certainly are conveying that both with your words and also the tone of it. As you may imagine, that is not the case with a portion of fans, and I respect everybody's I get it. F- feelings uh, at the moment. And some people, and this is the nature of it, when I was texting with Jeremy Rutherford last night, uh, right when he told me uh, what was going on as I was out trick-or-treating, I go, oh boy, I know what we're going to hear tomorrow on TMA and on Balloon Party, and that is some people. People are going to say it might be time for a coaching change. And a number of the texts that I'm reading are, are pointing fingers at Craig Berube. Now, that's not saying that that's what everybody is saying, but that's the nature of the beast when you have five straight losses. And I think three in a row that stand out in different ways as just looking like a team that's lost at sea. But you, uh, you're you there, and you know whether or not that uh, that coaching staff has the room. And, and like you said, you don't sound panicked at all, and you're still confident in that group. Tim, I think I've been on with you. It might have been, oh, it might have been towards the at some point last year, or even even as we were approaching camp this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, people were saying, "Hey, does Jake Neighbors make this team? And does uh, does Zach Bolduc make this team?" And, and I said at the time, "Look, 
one probably does. If both make the team, you're probably not going to be as good as you want to be. And that is because I just don't believe youth wins in the National Hockey League. And I've got examples that include the greatest in the game right now, like a Connor McDavid and a Leon Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. who, by the way, are in year eight, so they're no longer youth, right? right. But when they were youthful, they might have been scoring a lot, but they don't win. And, and the reason the reason is is because when you have young players, you get mistakes that get made. And then typically at this level or at any pro level, you know, you bring in a young pitcher that maybe a AAA could, you know, can get away with a, a ball over the middle of a plate or a slider that didn't move. Well, you can't do that. You do that to a Goldschmidt, and, it, and it's parked in the bleachers, right? So young players come with growing pains. Well, look at this hockey team right now. You're, you're putting a Jordan Cairo. Yep, he's in, his, he's in his fourth full year here, okay, but he's never been in the position that he's been in playing on a top line with Brian O'Reilly consistently and playing constantly against the other team's top defensive pairing and a top forward line that you have to defend against, okay? You've got that scenario there. You've got Jake Neighbors, you know, who played nine games last year and, is, and has only played eight games this year, so hasn't played 20 NHL games on the left side. Logan Brown hasn't found his way in the National Hockey League. Had a great start to camp, unfortunately had that injury, and that has really impacted him because I don't think he's been all that good in these first uh, three games that he's played this year. But your your third line had Brown and Neighbors on the wing. Then you've got another youngster who only played half a season last year, Alexei Torovchenko, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Pitlick, not a youngster, okay, but... Came in on a PTO. Did, didn't have a didn't have a team. They, and you didn't sign him until till Butchnevich was on air. Like, there's there's just some figuring it out. And if you are going to be a cap team and have you know, and, and in this flat cap era, the Blues I think are feeling that where you couldn't re-sign a guy like a David Perron, right? Boy, and and you know, and then now you've got Nick Letty for that full time. It, it's just it's just sorting things out. And and whether that's sorted out now by, you know. Do you, do you put somebody else with Ryan O'Reilly for the time being? Do you get different matchups for Jordan Cairo? You know, I, look, what's, what's shadowed in this, Tim, is uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, I think he's had a good start to the season. Braden Shen is over a point a game still. Justin Falk is over a point a game still. I, I think the goaltending, to be real honest with you, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that Thomas Grice had a, had a strong game against the Nashville Predators. And I know, believe it or not, when you look at the last two games for Jordan Bennington, and you're going to say, "What? Look, I don't think there's a lot of goal he can do on most of those goals. I think our goaltending has been just fine. So, again, when I think and you look at it from a big-picture standpoint, this coaching staff is just trying to sort out some of the changes and find where it fits. And, yeah, it, you, now you've lost five in a row, but you also won three in a row. And, and I'm not making excuses. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not – I'm not trying – look, I love the fact that fans are fired up. I think that's fine. I think they should be. I think that's the passion, and you absolutely love that. But there's enough here that this gets sorted out, and I 1,000% believe in this head coach and this coaching staff. I really do. There you go. Couldn't be more concise than that. Chris Kerber with us every Tuesday here on Balloon Party, talking it over Blues and Islanders on Thursday pregame at 6 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, always appreciate the time and the perspective. Thank you so much this morning, kind sir. Yeah, you got you know you know what probably is going to happen here? I think at some point you're probably in the early going, I, I think leadership is going to you know show itself uh, really well here. I think you'll hear from Doug Armstrong. I think 
you know, the coaching staff will be like, this is just, just watch how this veteran group handles things. And I, and I think everybody's going to be, uh, you're going to go, okay, this makes some sense and things will calm down a bit. Looking forward to seeing it between now and uh, Thursday night. Chris Kerber, always great insight here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, thanks so much, man. All right, Tim, have an awesome day. You too. That's Chris Kerber with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Your thoughts on what he had to say, 65780, or you can leave a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app. Also, uh, we'll carry that discussion over into the next segment, plus Norn Arnado. Uh, doing an exclusive interview with Katie Wu of The Athletic and a lot of insight in that interview. And we will have some of those quotes from Arnado coming up on the other side of the break as to what he and John Mazalak discussed when Mazalak flew out to Southern California to talk it over with him before he decided to not opt out. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy these comments from Arnado. That's coming up next as well. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I could be off. Deep down, we all know I'm not. But I didn't hear any reference to the association in that Sports Center update. Yeah. There was not, I mean. I just didn't want to report on anything from it last night. I, I just... think the textures owned your soul in the first segment, and you are despondent. No, see, I, I, I guess I, I really can't quantify how little I care what they say wow! about what I watch in my free time. Unbelievable. I truly can't I quantify. I care what all of you say. <laughs> you were like running for 101 chairperson or something, <laughs> and I won't stand for it. No, um, I just in World Series. I plug what's going to be on the station tonight. I feel like it's the right thing to do. Now, if we can, you know, maybe carry a couple hoops games once or twice, I'd be, you know, elated. Well, why don't you step into management's office and demand they start playing the NBA on here and see how that goes for you. All right, I'll be I'll, back. I'll, I'll, I, will, I will get that up on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Tim, I was really hoping to get a White Lotus update from Little Jackass. That's from the 618. Is that a new name? I don't know, but the first episode of the new season is laying some nice groundwork. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I really I like that I haven't watched show. it. I really like that show. I would say I was watching the Blues game, but again... I was the headless horseman. Uh, Chris Kerber was with us in the previous segment, and I wanted to uh, read some of the texts on what he had to say. People are angry as hornets, man. They're yeah, angry as hornets. No, no. But here's the thing. I got to tell you, I feel like I was saying it yesterday on TMA, and people are like, ah, it's the first, you know, it's right. the first seven games of the season at that point. And I'm going, this looks a little different to me. Yeah. I've been watching this operation, you know, Going back to the 1980s, and I'm sure many of you have me beat. It's not a, we're not going to trace ourselves here today. We'll do that tomorrow. But but with regards to recent era blues hockey, it hasn't looked like this. And that was before last night. And then last night happens, and you go, oh boy, this is now. I'm going, okay, what's what's going on here? Yeah, I I, I was talking to this about this with uh, Andrew Marsh, producer of the Fast Lane. Marshy Marsh, 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 playful posse. posse. Right. And we both agreed that it seems like the defense is doing a lot of standing Hold and watching. Hold on a second. Wait, is this like on a podcast or something? Is this... No, just uh, shooting the breeze. And, uh... Is this the behind-the-scenes podcast I wasn't yeah. aware of? I would, I would, I would listen in. No. I'm a Marshy Marsh lemming. I am too, but uh, no, we were just you know shooting the breeze in the bowels of the office here. And uh, 
you know, we both agree that the, the defense is doing a lot of standing and watching, not, not as active. And it was evident last night because a bunch of these passes are back doors. They're going right behind skates and sticks and you know marsh is already here and you've already had a hockey conversation with him this morning we were no, on the air no, from no, no. seven to ten and yes i realize that essentially hd2 can be like a tree falling in the forest but nonetheless by definition we were on the air right and you're telling me you stepped away from that award-winning show to have a conversation about the blues defense with marshy marsh who got here super early for his show that's what you're telling me no i would say this was thursday of last week the blues have lost three games since then i know and so the further evidence to what we were talking about <laughs> just standing around and watching they played a pretty decent game against the oil but i'm not i'm not saying each game but last night was like the perfect example of them like there was times where pareko was just... so your premise was like more nostradamus than analysis well, because you were looking into the game against the Predators, the Canadiens, and the Kings, the games that had not taken place, but you saw these problems coming in Nashville. I can't remember the game we were analyzing. Um, it was it's one Because of... the whole story is fake. No, it's not. And, Marsh... and I will have Marsh on the stand here at some point Marsh today. will back me up. Where's my, my ca- where's my counsel? Marsh, enjoy your deposition today. Let me know what beverage you'd like. Hey, little piddles, I know you don't need the money. Huh. But your job is sports radio, so maybe you need to watch local sports. You could possibly contribute to the conversation. It's from the 636. Did you not just hear the contribution I just made? It was Nostradamus-like analysis. Listen, I can't win with hockey people, man. I watch the game. You have Jackson on the ropes. Finish him. I'm just saying. Finish him. If I watch the game and try to give my opinion, they're like, you know nothing about hockey. If I don't watch it, uh, why aren't you watching the game? Well, maybe because you guys are gatekeeping the sport. Maybe be a little bit more... keeping the sport. What does that mean? Uh, like, you don't let new people in because we don't know anything. But then you try to watch it, and, you know, you get ridiculed for that. I can't win. <sighs> Jackson not caring about the listeners. He'll be hosting an overnight show in Anchorage in no time. That's from the 618. I know you are up for that overnight job. Good luck. They got hoops out there in Anchorage? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not, I'm not going up there. Cold. Dark. Six five seven eight zero is how you can participate in the program. Uh, Chris Kerber with us in the previous segments uh, to talk it over, and uh, some people on board with what he had to say. I, I feel like, and again, I'm glancing at this very active Air Comfort Service text line, and I would tell you that it's about fifty fifty. Some people think those quote unquote covering for the Blues. Um, are just doing it because they're scared of retribution from the Blues or some kind. I, I would like to think that people understand. I, you know, again, what organization would hire me? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the AVNs, maybe. Yeah, but other than you. that, they don't have a club. Uh, <laughs> that that I'm. Who's going to hire me? So I'm just telling you what I think, and, and it just so happens I'm not going fire Baruby. Now, it's not to say everybody is saying fire Baruby, which is what I was about to say. Fifty percent is like anybody who thinks that Craig Baruby is the problem doesn't know the game. So that's what we have going back and forth on the text line. But I think everyone would agree that this is an outlier as far as a stretch of games since Craig Berube has been the head coach. And the nature of the beast in the NHL is when a team starts off like this, and we saw this in November of 2018, that a coach can get whacked early on to try and quote-unquote save the season. But again, Mike Yo's equity with the Blues and the fans in St. Louis a lot different than Craig Berube's. Furthermore, Craig Berube just signed an extension. So with with all the conversation about it being Craig Berube's fault, 
Um, it's just not a position that I that I buy into. I'm anxious. To, I really am anxious to see here what happens over the next couple of weeks to see if there is some chemistry that uh, evolves. And then also, as Chris Kerber said, right when we were saying goodbye, that he thinks that you're going to see some leadership step forward here in the next couple of days. The Blues are in St. Louis, so it's not like they're going to be out in Vancouver or Alberta or something and, and you know, have a chance to talk. And whether that be O'Reilly, Shen, Armstrong, I don't know, somebody saying something um, to take a leadership role on this and not just the head coach who was clearly just – I don't even know what the right word would be, despondent, confused, exasperated following last night's loss to the Kings. All right, I want to give a full segment to this. Nolan Arenado and uh, Katie Wu, I would recommend reading it on theathletic.com. Some quotes uh, from Arenado that I think St. Louis fans, this will cheer you up if you're in a bad place on the Blues. Nolan Arenado, you know, sometimes you have stars where you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, just not necessarily a guy who you, who you feel a lot of warm feelings toward uh or you're feeling like okay he, he's a great player but not necessarily big on st louis arenado in this interview checks every single box in addition to the magic word in st louis when it comes to the cardinals and that is payroll and i will have that for you on the other side of the break you're listening to balloon party on 101 espn from the opening drive Back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan, and I am looking forward to reading this to you. It comes in an exclusive from Katie Wu of The Athletic, a conversation with Nolan Arenado. You can read it at theathletic.com. Jackson, I shall read a couple of excerpts, which I think will pique the audience's interest. All right. I'll this was on. just uh, posted in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, Katie asks uh, Nolan Arnato, when John Mazalek spoke at the end of the year news conference last week, he mentioned he had flown out to Southern California, met with you in person to touch base about the future direction of the organization and where you stood regarding your decision. What was discussed in that conversation and why was it important to have? Uh, he said there were a lot of things discussed in that conversation, but a lot of it was based on the team, where my heart was at, where my mind was at. I asked questions about the group, how he thought we were going to be, and where we are headed. And I feel like we're headed in the right spot. The one thing with Mo that I appreciate is he was just being real honest with me. That was always great, and I appreciated that. I wanted to be honest with him and with where I'm at and how I feel. It was just really a good conversation shared back and forth. We had a good dinner, and I think we left it on a good note. It felt good to have that conversation one-on-one. You know, talking on the phone, it's not just the same as meeting with someone one-on-one. And Mo understands that. Seeing his reaction and the way I was trying to explain things to him sounded better in person than it would have on the phone. Um, And Katie follows up by asking what he wanted to hear. And he said, I wanted to know where the team was headed. Are we going to get better? Basically, most of the questions were about where our team was headed. I shared with him what I feel like I need to do to get better at and asked what they wanted me to do. And he shared a lot of great things, things that he feels like we can get better at. He wants us to get better, and they have the right resources to do it. So hopefully that is where we're headed. Uh, Again, this is a subscription site, so I don't want to just read the whole thing on the radio. But I want to start with that excerpt of it and then read something that I think St. Louis area fans will love hearing and make this guy even more of a fan favorite than he already is. Jackson, my read in reading what Noan Arenado has to say, and then also his actions of sticking around and then choosing not to renegotiate, which he goes on to explain later on 
Uh, and he said it was a real pain for me to get traded to St. Louis because it's somewhere he wanted to go, but it took a long time to get to happen. And he felt like it would not be fair to then back out of the deal. Said, I just wanted to hold up my end of the bargain and stay. It didn't feel right, me leaving after two years after all the effort to get me here. Um, which I think people will admire, because the man left money on the table. Yep. And Katie addresses that in her conversation with him. So what was that conversation with John Mazalak about? It wasn't it clearly wasn't about a negotiation like, hey, and on top of it, it wouldn't be a one on one with the president of baseball operations and the player. I know if we were shooting a film, that's what it would be. Right. But that's not the way that it works. Uh, it would be an agent yep. with Mazalak or maybe even Bill DeWitt involved. Uh, it wouldn't be them sitting in a restaurant in Southern California, especially with the player sitting there directly with no representation. So what was that about? It was about Nolan Arnato wanting to know that they are going to go out and spend money to improve this team. And I personally believe it's about the offense. Yeah. And once he heard what he wanted to hear, then he decided to not opt out. And furthermore, even though you know he could have gotten more, he just honored the contract. Yeah. And that, I wouldn't have faulted him at all. Going, okay, you know, this is, it's not necessarily about me and my wife and our children. It's about their children. And I'm in a spot where I can take care of generations. And it's not like I'm doing anything out of the ordinary. I earned the right to opt out. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask for more money now, but down the road, I want to make sure that I have this. And that'll take care of another, you know, 10 Arnados, you know, who I will never meet. Uh, No, he just wanted to make sure that the club, the team, was going to get better yeah. because he, you know, as, as weird as it sounds to us because he's only played two seasons here, he's in the sixth or seventh inning of his career. Yeah. And he only has so many more shots at it. And that's a guy who I believe is consumed with winning. He's made his money and he now wants to make sure he is going to be playing for a team that is committed to winning. And he wanted to look Mazalak in the, in the eye and get a read on what the plan was. And I love it. And that to me, is why he did wait until he did and why he wanted to sit down with John Mazalak. And I respect that a great deal. Now, I might be applying some confirmation bias because that's what my theory was on the whole thing from the get-go, that he would not opt out, but he wanted to make sure that the Cardinals were committed to spending. And then what happens 48 hours later, John Mazalak sits down with the St. Louis area media and for the first time that I can recall, says something that unless he was absolutely committed to doing it, has zero upside in saying publicly, and that is, we are going to increase our payroll. I don't recall him ever saying that. I'm not saying that he hasn't. I just can't recall it. And one of the reasons why somebody wouldn't say it is it's kind of a zero upside thing. You are now trapped in the corner. You have to increase payroll. But he clearly plans on doing it, and I believe he plans on doing it because Noah Arnato made him commit to doing it last Monday in Southern California. And then the final part of the conversation that I think uh, Cardinal fans will love hearing. Um, Is there anything you want fans to know about you or your decision or why you felt it was so important to stay with the Cardinals? And then also she asked if he would like to retire as a Cardinal. And he said, I think so. We'll see where I'm at. I mean, I do love St. Louis. I'd love to finish my career there. After my fifth year, if I'm still feeling pretty good, it would be cool to either finish in St. Louis or if there was an opportunity, you know, it'd be great to come home. I'd love to play in front of my family at some point in my time in my career, if that's ever on the table. Um, But you know what? I told Mo, I'd love to earn a red jacket. 
I need to be here for a while to accomplish that, watching Albert and Yachty and Matt Holliday's retirement, Scott Rowland and Willie McGee and all those guys. It's a pretty cool fraternity. And then with regards to St. Louis, he says, I just feel like they've treated me well, and I feel like they always have my back. I appreciate them showing out for us. It's always a fun environment playing in St. Louis, and I really do enjoy that division. St. Louis is kind of a grinder city, and I feel like I'm a grinder player. I feel like I fit in in that city, and I fit in on this team. Uh, that's Nolan Arenado. And I think those words, paying respect to the tradition of the organization, a goal of being a Cardinal Hall of Famer, which I think at this point is barring yeah, some sort of likely. horrible it's injury, uh, is going to happen. Um, and then also an appreciation for the style of the city. Not just saying, you know, best fans in baseball, best fans in baseball, best fans in baseball, you know, until like a ghost appears. Mm-hmm. Um you know, acknowledging the kind of city it is. And it's a guy coming from Southern California, too. Right. And then played in Denver. And listen, I have, you know, the climate in Southern California, wonderful traffic, not for me. Denver, cosmopolitan is all get out as well. But here's a guy who certainly could have played for the Dodgers, probably going to have an opening at third base this year with Justin Turner's situation. Yeah. Uh, played in Colorado, wants to be here, wants to be here. And I think that has been a source of consternation, perhaps subconsciously for Cardinal fans, in the free agent marketplace because, in a way, it can be a rejection not just of the organization but of choosing to live here. And here is a guy who could have opted out, could have made more money playing in L.A. or take your pick of wherever. Yankees coming up short this year might be in the mood to spend some money uh, as they are one to do. Whatever the case might be, and I'm going to leave some money on the table. I want to make sure the team is committed to winning, and I am going to play in a city that I view to have my kind of personality, and that is St. Louis. And I want to wear a red jacket someday. And I think that's the kind of message Cardinal fans love to hear, which will make him even more popular than he already was. Your thoughts, Jax? Uh, yeah, kind of to the first excerpt, you know, clearly the conversation went well because he signed the deal. You know, I don't think he you know, does that unless he, he feels confident. And I don't think Mosellock says what he says unless he feels confident they're going to spend. So if you're a Cardinal fan hearing all this, this is absolute music to your ears. You it's got everything got, you want to hear. Right. You got one of the greatest third basemen of the modern era saying that, you know, he's going to stay with the team and not take more money. He's going to stay in St. Louis. He wants to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. And you have the GM of the team saying that they're going to spend more money on a team that needs more money spent on. And a lot of you most likely wanted Jeff Albert out, and you got that. Adam <laughs> Wainwright's coming back, but he's deferred the money so the team can spend more this offseason. I mean— So we got a fun, hot stove coming. Unless you want, like, Fred Bird hosting SNL. This is as good as it gets. Jackson would like to see Fred Bird hosting SNL. I wouldn't mind. He's got a lot, I think there's a lot that Fred Bird can say that he hasn't said yet. Well, he hasn't said anything. Right. I mean, tune in to SNL. <laughs> uh, look, I love what Nolan Arnato said, and I love the fact that he's committed to being here in St. Louis, but he also said he wanted to at some point play uh, in California. Yes, he did. But has he acknowledged that would be like when he's 38 or 39 years old just because it would be cool to play in front of fans? I mean, I didn't really... Yeah, I maybe did. I maybe I maybe I missed that. Maybe I well, I mean I read it and I re- and I understood it. It's like yeah, I have family in Southern California. It would be cool that they wouldn't have to fly four hours right. to St. Louis so they could watch me play for the Angels or Dodgers or Padres or something like right. that. I get that. Or maybe 100%. when the A's are in Las Vegas and yeah. shoot across the desert, yeah. you know. But I didn't take offense to it. No, no, I did not. I did not either. Tim. Uh, bring on Aaron Judge. That's from the 618. How about that, Jackson? Love to see it. I would love to see it. Any, I mean, just 
I love the call idea your sh- call your shot on who they're going to bring in. Dan's I be- called the Paul Goldschmidt uh, trade, and what year was that? That was November of eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. That November, December right. of eighteen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Dansby Swanson and Sean Murphy. Those are the only two I feel very confident about. I think they might even do it. There could be more. I think there could be more. There's got to be somebody in the outfield. But but we've looked. That might be a trade. Right. Well, I can't. You you don't do Nostradamus trade. You (laughs) only do Nostradamus on three hockey games with Marsh and some (laughs) broom closet. I don't have the time. we got to go. BK and Ferrario. This is unbelievable. (laughs) You're going to ask to be assigned to another show. Who will have me? <laughs> All right, we got to wrap it up. BK and Ferrario are up next for the Nostradamus of Blues <laughs> hockey. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.